Monday, January 11th, we've got some news. Jay Bruce going to the Mets for three years and $39 million, plus Cody Allen avoids arbitration. Going to talk about some players with breakout potential. I have put together a list of four players, a truly terrible breakout potential list. I didn't realize how bad it was until after I did all the research, so look forward to that. We'll do some over-unders and some more rankings debates. Welcome to the show. I'm Adam Azer with Chris Tower, Scott White, and Heath Cummings. What up, fellas? It hey. seems like if you discovered your breakout list was bad, you would have redone the breakout now, list. I was, I I was pot committed. What's bad about having a 31-year-old breakout candidate? <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. It's just terrible. Um, so we'll get to that in a minute. Can you guess the 31-year-old breakout candidate? Probably not because he has no business being on a breakout <laughs> list. Everybody well, kind of broke out last year. We have really teased the rest of the show. He hit 228 last year. Yeah, yeah. well, okay, so we keep giving like more clues. Majors and steals. Dropping so many hints. There's so many hints here. Let's see if people can figure it out. Uh, I, I want to tell everybody about our new podcast, the Sportsline DFS podcast. That's Heath Cummings and Mike McClure. I am on it often. Chris will be on it sometimes. And we give you DFS advice every day, and it's really good DFS advice. So far, so good. Uh, unless Serge Ibaka gets ejected, which never helps the lineup. Um, so, yeah, check that out. It's the Sportsline DFS podcast. And if you want our other podcasts, go to cbssports.com slash podcast, singular. It's very simple. And so, There you go. And subscribe. All right. Any pleasantries that we need to get? You guys are good? Everything's fine? Families are good? Hi. Okay. Hello. Great. D- dogs and cat are good, Chris? Yeah. Yeah, they're doing well. I mean, my dog is awful, but it's still alive, so... That's I don't good. know if it's good or bad. Yeah. Anybody? Uh, anybody do this? The spray bottle with the cat? Anybody spray them? It, it doesn't work. You can't train a cat, Adam. Get out of here. This I tried is the it. thing that I've realized about that. We tried with the cat when we first got her. We got her as a kitten, and cats are adventurous. They want to climb things, and so every time she climbed on the kitchen counter, we would like try to shush her off. And we did the bottle for about a week, and then I just I felt bad. That's um, sad. And what I realized is that when I'm not there. She's just climbing on the counter, and it's not really going to solve anything. So uh, the cat can pretty much go wherever she wants now. Okay. Well, I just started the the water bottle training yesterday, so we'll see how it goes. Wanted some advice. Thank you for the advice. The Mets signed Jay Bruce to a three-year, $39 million deal, and he has been pretty consistent the last two seasons. He has been 20th in points and 17th in Roto in 2016. And 19th in points and 18th in Roto in 2017. That's Jay Bruce in his, and his outfield rankings. So he's about 250 hitter, 33, 36 home runs, about 100 RBIs. Is it that simple with Jay Bruce? Can we expect him to just be around the 20th best outfielder in 2018? I think it'll be a very similar season. Obviously we've seen him play for the Mets before and it was among the better stretches of his career. Um, so. And that may not, not be a lot an of accident. mystery to this. That may not be an accident. Uh, Kevin Long, He's Mets gone. hitting coach, but during Wasn't his slurred. time with the Mets, um, in encouraged Jay Bruce to embrace his pool and fly ball tendencies, and that's what he did. He had the highest uh, fly ball rate of his career last season, forty-seven percent, and. Uh, He's a very dangerous hitter when he hits the ball to right field in the air. Now, here's the thing about that. When he encouraged Jay Bruce to embrace his pool tendencies, right. he did it 30 minutes after Jay Bruce finished <laughs> eating. So, I'm surprised with those pool tendencies that he didn't um, 
entertain an offer from the Marlins right. or the Diamondbacks. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, he gets wrinkly fingers from being in the pool too long. That's how he grips the bat. It's actually really good for him. Thanks, guys. There you go. All right. I, I find. Any, I any think. Thoughts? I think you're with me on this, Adam. I. I. I find that people don't appreciate Jay Bruce. Like, as he was as he was being a top twenty outfielder all last season, you couldn't trade him like a top twenty outfielder. And and this going into this season, he's not drafted that way. He, he tends to be lumped into a lower tier of outfielders. That includes well. Guys like Corey Dickerson. I think part of the problem is that the the places that Jay Bruce brings value are generally the easiest places to find replacements. Mm. Uh, that makes sense in a categories league. Yeah, so. he's an outfielder who hits for power, gives you pretty good RBI numbers, and that's about it. I've got him as a top twenty outfielder. Yeah, but like he he hit two fifty four last season, drove in a hundred hundred one runs, hit thirty six home runs. That's valuable, but if you lost that guy, you could replace 85% of his production pretty easily on the waiver wire. It's not a bad point. I think the deeper your league, the more outfield spots you need, the more valuable Bruce feels to me anyway. Like, I'd be pretty excited about getting him with a mid-round, mid-to-late-round pick. I don't know. Where where do you think he goes? Like, round 10 or so in a 12-team league? Uh, I'd have to pull up our mock draft results. I have him 20th. Among my outfielders, that's where I rank him. That's where I would draft him. Uh, I haven't had to draft him yet. I did but, draft um, him. Our, 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 since we're kind of looking at the categories angle, uh, in our Roto draft, Jay Bruce went in round... Uh, they only use first initials. Here's, here's a question. Round, n- round seven. End of round seven. Where did Adam I Duvall go? Adam Duvall. Who is worse than Jay Bruce? He basically had the same season Jay Bruce did last year. Seven rounds later. He went yeah, seven Jay rounds Bruce later. He's, he's hit 36 home Bruce. runs, drove in 101 runs, hit 254. And Adam I, Duvall hit 241, so worse. 33 home runs, a little worse. 103 RBI, 85 runs. Like, he was pretty close to Jay Bruce. And that's, that's what I mean. Is how, that how big is the OBP difference? Jay Bruce's on-base percentage isn't very high, so it's probably like... Duvall's is 301, so that's... Yeah, I think Jay Bruce was like 319. All right. Well, I I guess... There is also the issue of Duvall's probably not going to play as much this year because they got to get Winker in. that's the question we have to talk about with the Mets, is who the hell's going to play where? Uh, Uh, Brandon Nemo in center, Jay Bruce in right, maybe some at first, too, if Dominic Smith is awful, and uh, Cespedes in left. So and Conforto's then, just not playing. No, Conforto, Conforto no Juan Lagares. This is a crowded outfield. Yeah. Oh, that's true. I forgot, yeah. you know, I forgot about Conforto. Conforto We're not sure he's going to be ready. Conforto in center field is, is what I read last night when he's, when he's healthy, which could be, could be at the start of the season. But okay. yeah, I mean, they, they don't seem to care that much about defense in their outfield, <laughs> it appears. Uh, but they keep getting boxed know. out of center fielders. They gave $39 million to Jay Bruce, so they definitely yeah. don't care about defense. All right, moving on. Cody uh, Allen signed a one-year deal, $10.5 million, and he had 30 of the team's 37 saves last season. Cleveland has had 37 or 38 saves as a team in three straight seasons, and Allen has had 30 to 34 saves in those three seasons. It's very weird. He's a great pitcher just about every year of his career, and he never gets more than 34 saves. Will this be the year that Cody Allen gets more than 34 saves? (laughs) Sure. Okay. Yeah, I'll I'll bet on that. No. (laughs) I don't rank him like you will. 
So I guess I'm saying no. It, it's where, it's where never made a lot him? of sense why he has he doesn't. Where do I have him? I think I have him a little too low. I have Corey, uh, sorry, Cody Allen, 16th among relievers. I have him 15th, and I think he should probably be 10th. Maybe maybe 11 or 12. Um, but I, I'm going to move him up just a little bit. So he got all but one of the Indian saves no, last year. All but seven. All but seven. Yeah. Okay. Eh, that's still a higher percentage than I would have thought. I, I mean, I I thought Andrew Miller would pilfer like. 10 saves from Allen last year. And I, I still think there's a chance he does this year uh, because it's, you know, it's a, it's a weird case where the closer is not the team's best reliever. Um, and, you know, we saw Andrew Miller close out games in the playoffs prior to last year. So I don't know. It's still something to keep in mind. Okay. You ready for the worst breakout list ever? Yes. All right. Here we go. So I got four guys that, you know, have, have done, did some, did some good things last year, except for one who kind of had a bad year, but maybe he can bounce back. And, well, here they are. Why don't you rank them in terms of 2018 breakout potential? Have their best full season. Cameron Maben, there's your 31-year-old with all those steals. <laughs> Byron Buxton, Xander Bogarts. Yes, you could definitely make the case that he broke out two years ago. But I thought there was still more improvement there for Bogarts to be made, and he well, he, he didn't sustain the breakout if he broke out two years ago. Right. So Maven, Buxton, Bogarts, and Patrick Corbin, a pitcher on this list. Why don't you rank them one through four in breakout potential for 2018? Buxton. Yep. Yep. Corbin, I would go second. Oh, we're doing the rest. <laughs> I assume. <laughs> uh, Maven's definitely last. Yes, I would go Buxton, Corbin, Bogarts, Maven. I might go Bogarts over Corbin, but there it's really like Buxton is the breakout candidate that's on this list. Maven is ugh. and then Bogarts and Corbin or whatever. There is room for Maven to be better than he was last season. Sure. Uh he had a 274 Babbitt. This is a guy with a 316 mark for his career. But he's that's not a he's not a, he's a he's a bounce back candidate. Well, I don't even think he's a starter. Well, he's a, he's a free agent, Fair. right? Right, he's a yeah, free he agent. I, I, right I would now. guess he's not signed to be a starter unless it's unless a rebuilding team signs him to be a space filler. Yeah, the reason I put him on here is that you steal 33 bases in 114 games. You've got big time, you know, you've got yeah. potential to be rostered in in every categories league. It's Cameron Maben. He's going to be 31 years old in April, and he did hit pretty well. Before his oblique injury. And we've seen oblique injuries really derail people's seasons even after they come back off the DL from them. And I think he had a knee injury later in the season. Um, he's, he's never, he's like never had one great season or anything. But, yeah, uh, he, he tied ahead. his career high in home runs last year. With 10? Yeah. In 114 games. Look, if he gives you 15 steals, he was on a 47 steal pace. So if he gives you 15, yeah, 15 home runs and 40 steals, like that's a guy that, that would be a breakout season. His, his steals to a bat ratio could be high. He's kind of what Rajay Davis used to be, uh, to fantasy owners. Of course, I'm looking at Davis' stats. He himself st- stole 29 bases last year, but he's 36 and I, well, he's 37 now. Right. And I suspect May- Maben's gonna make a bigger impact than Rajay Davis, but that's, that's kind of what I see Maben's niche being in fantasy. Strictly a categories lead player and strictly if you just need a steal specialist. But, you know, last season, 33 stolen bases was good for fifth in baseball. Yeah. Yep. Right. So, so well, let's talk about the he, other guys. <laughs> let's talk about the guys you like. 
Well, or, okay. or the guy you like, maybe. In, in Buxton, Buxton is definitely a breakout candidate and also potentially someone that I will not draft at all this season because he's going to go awfully high in a lot of mock drafts, especially, and we'll see uh, about the, the general populace. But he's someone that industry people might end up really, really high on, like drafting inside the top 50. So in our Roto League, which was industry people, our, our, our first Roto draft in uh, back in December, um, he went in round seven, just a little before Jay Bruce. I have him ranked six spots behind Jay Bruce. He's my 26th outfielder. Uh, oh, you know what? He actually may be higher. I have the wrong rankings open. I have 20 rankings open. He's absolutely open. someone who is much more valuable in Roto than head-to-head. So I have Buxton 22nd versus Jay Bruce 24th in Roto. So there you go. He's, he's act, He actually should go ahead of Jay Bruce. So I think that was an appropriate place to draft him. At least if we're just looking relative to Bruce. And, uh, you know, obviously there's some steals potential there and those are scarce, but the improvements he made as an offensive player, particularly in the second half last year, are what have me so excited about Byron Buxton. What has, what has the industry as a whole excited about Buxton? He's not going to be a high average hitter. No. Um, but hit 300 in the second half. He does profile as a high BABIP guy who can get away with striking out a lot and now is developing power. 16 home runs last year, 11 of them in the second half. Uh, I, I don't think it's a stretch to say he's, there's a good chance he's a 2030 guy this year. He, he could legitimately be a top 10 outfielder in Roto. Yep. Can he strike out 24% of the time? I don't think if, he even has to. If, but if, no, I think if he strikes out 24% of the time, he probably hits 280 and is a top 10 outfielder. Well, yeah. Well, listen, but here's the, here's the issue with Buxton. Like, yeah, okay, his last 56 games, batted 298 with 342 on base, 541 slugging, 12 walks, a 62 strikeout. So, you know, like, that's not going to be a good ratio for him. But what about September 2016? After he was recalled, he batted 287 with a 357 on base, 653 slugging, nine home runs in a month. We thought he was going to break out and then he was, Really bad. Until well, he, he did break out. He did it, it really. It was well. He had I a mean, he had the steals. He drafted him. Yeah, yeah, right. Like he was, he was dropped. Right, he was terrible. Um, he was yeah, dropped. People gave up on him across the board. Yeah, people gave up on him too soon. No, they um, didn't get. I, I mean, you could say that. But he had like a sub six hundred OPS the first three yeah, months. Yeah, you can't season. say that. He was awful. Okay, but regardless, he, he, the timing wasn't perfect. But he did have. You know, he did build off that September. And in that September, he struck out a lot more than he did in the second half last year. In the second half, his strikeout rate was down to 27.6%, which is, it's not terrible. It's, 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 it's definitely something you can work with. What I would say is he did it for one month at the end of 2016. He did it for two months at the end of 2017. I expect four great months from Byron Buxton this year. All right, or three. <laughs> it depends. I thought you were going to go with three. Right, four. exactly. Wow. He doubled it last year. It's exponents. Yes. Get ready for 2019, eight great months of Byron Buxton. All right, so, and then... His uh, line drive rate was way up in the second half, too, which helps. So the strikeout rate was way down. The line drive rate was way up. And he should be a high Babbitt. He's a breakout candidate. He yep. is going to break out. Patrick we'll Corbin. Patrick Corbin, uh, you know, finished the season with, with better strikeouts. But boy, does this guy give up a lot of hits? Because he gives up, he gets a lot of ground balls, but his whip is just terrible. I mean, we're talking like 1.5 whip, 1.42 last year, even worse the year before. 
Um, so I don't know. That's kind of wondering if that, that holds him back, Corbin. Yeah, it does. I mean, his strikeout rate over the last couple, uh, months, you know, the, you, you, you felt like, okay, there, this guy needs to be getting better results than he is, but he probably is somebody who, who profiles as a, as a high Babbitt pitcher, a guy who's around 325 every year. And that's true of a lot of pitchers who get ground balls. So, um, it's, it's, it's still encouraging that he seemed to improve his bat missing ability, that he's going to have a great offense backing him. You know, he's not going to be even a number three for your fantasy team, but if you draft him as a four or five, he may end up surprising you. Do okay. we know if he's getting a humidor? Uh, I still haven't There's heard any confirmation that, that I can find about the yeah. humidor. That, yeah, I no. would like him more if he got the humidor, but yeah. I am I not if, like, really very interested. He's had his best season. Yeah, I wonder if the, uh, the, the, the Diamondbacks have a, a pretty well publicized feud with the city of, uh, Phoenix about Chase Field and their future there and the amount of, uh, money that both sides need to invest. I wonder if that's holding up the, uh, humidor. Maybe. Let's get on it. Investigative team. Crack the case, guys. That's my challenge to you. All right, so let's do some over-unders for much more interesting players than the breakout guys we just talked about. I thought that was a – thank you for turning chicken scrap into chicken soup or whatever and, the and hell, don't, they call don't it. give up on Xander Bogarts delivering on all of his potential at some point. It's still possible. He I'm did it two years ago. Yeah, I'm not still possible. Two years ago, I think he was the number two shortstop in fantasy, Xander Bogarts. Uh, might be number one. Well, number yeah. one. No, he's number I mean, two. he didn't do it in a very believable way. Like, he was, he was on my bus list last year because – there was a lot of reasons to be skeptical of that 2016 quote unquote breakout. Um, but he's still young enough that he could completely transform his batted ball profile and, and uh, obviously has a great pedigree. So what, what he's saying is valid. Sure. Like he could still become an elite shortstop. Just not better. He's someone it. you like a lot more this year than you did last year though, probably. For, yeah. I mean, the, the, I, I still think he's probably going too high, but not nearly as high as he did last year. Who do you guys prefer, Elvis Andrews or Xander Bogarts? Elvis. Yep. Uh, I'm not so sure. <laughs> okay. Elvis Andrews is going to be on my bust list. Well, we're um, going to talk about him. Let's talk about him right now. Let's go to our over-unders. Over-under 12 and a half home runs for Elvis Andrews, who hit, uh, I believe, 20 last year, uh, which was by far a career high. He hit 20. He had never hit more than eight before that. So I'll give him 12 and a half home runs over-under for Elvis Andrews. I'm going to say over. I'll give him about 16. I'll go over. Yeah, that's – 16 might be a little higher than I want to go, but you said 12 is the number? 12, 12 and a half. half. 12 and a half, so I can't say push. I'm going to go under. I've got him for 12. 12, okay. I think it's a great number. <laughs> so if he gets to 12 and he steals his typical 25 bases, why will Elvis Andrews be on your bus list? Yeah, that'd still be a pretty good season. Well, I'm for afraid him. people are going to draft him in the third or fourth round. We've seen him being drafted in the third round in at least one draft I've been in. Really? Okay. So our our in-house drafts, and and I'm you know I may have not been in that draft you're referring you were not. to, but in in our in-house drafts he went. Is that the 15 team mm-hmm. one? Okay. He went in round six of a points league, which has tended to be his better format, even though he steals some bases, 
and he went in round six of a roto league. So th- he, that's 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 fine. Good. Now, you're right. If yeah. he's going in round six, he probably won't make my bust list. We'll see what his ADP shows. It would be so cool if if <laughs> some fantasy analyst was just like, yeah, this draft I did that nobody knew about was just like, yeah, he went in this round. Like not you know no proof. Just right. make it up. Yeah, just like I just up. like I just did. No, I mean that I was saw him go in the first round. Well, that was a fifteen team. <laughs> he draft. went right so after Altuve. Yeah, you could have you could have included that it was a fifteen team draft. That would have would have been nice. But. <laughs> it was early in the third. Okay, fair enough. Um, all right, so that's your over under for Elvis Andrews. Let's go to Aaron Judge. Over under two seventy batting average. Adam, do you want me to terrify you? You you don't have to because I'm already thinking whatever you're going to say. Uh, okay, let me get the the right number. Hold on, Every, somebody else talk. Under, under two seventy. Scott. Yeah, I, I'd say he's closer to two fifty than he is to two seventy. Yeah, I also take the under. Though it's worth pointing out, he's taking the under and has him in his first round. I'm taking the under and have Judge at the the end of my second round. So. He doesn't have to hit 270 to be a stud. No, I, no, not at all. Well, so that's, you know, interesting, but the lowest batting average, I looked at the top 15 overall hitters in both points and roto over the last two seasons. The lowest batting average for a top 15 hitter last year was Mookie Betts. He had a 264 batting average and was the number 10 hitter in points, not even close in roto. But you know he had more walks, or he had seventy-seven walks, seventy-nine strikeouts. There's no way Judge is going to do that. Uh, he also He'll have some, more walks, though. He will have more walks, but he won't have the ratio. Yep. yep the thing uh, is, well, hold on. I just, I just want to finish okay. the point real quick. Um, also, Brian Dozier. Brian Dozier was the number fourteen hitter in points leagues, and he was right around. He was number twelve in roto. Dozier hit two sixty-nine with thirty-four home runs. Um. And in 2017, in 2016, Dozier was, it was also Dozier and Encarnacion, and they both hit in the 260s, they both hit 42 home runs. They were the number 8 and 10 hitters in points leagues, number 8 and number 15 in Roto. So, like, if you don't hit 260 in each of the last two years, you haven't been a top 15 hitter. Uh, just, just to I don't think out. he's going to hit 260. I, I've got him at 253, so. Uh, I, I think that might be high. That it might be high. I'd, I'd, you I'd know, I think it's about right. I still think he's going. He's one of the more likely hitters to score 110 runs. One of the more likely hitters to hit 45 home runs. One of the more likely hitters to drive in 110 runs. So I'm just not that worried about the batting average. I mean, in well, terms of power, like it, Stanton and Judge are in a class of their own. Like. And he's gonna be hitting in front of everybody else. So it's it's not you can't even really compare him to those other players because But I mean, what's the floor for Judge in terms of home runs? The floor I feel like is forty home runs. You well, know? Yeah, probably probably thirty five. Would it but, surprise you if he hit forty two home runs? I think Encarnacion, two sixty three with forty two home runs and one hundred and twenty seven RBIs two seasons ago. Like mm-hmm. that seems like a like like a good I mean, I would take that from Aaron Judge, two sixty three, forty two and hundred and twenty seven. And that made Encarnacion the number 10 hitter in points, probably number 11 because David Ortiz wasn't on the list, and number 15 in Roto, probably number 16 because David Ortiz retired. He wasn't in the player pool, um, but he played that year. But So you know what I mean? I mean, like, batting average is pretty important if you want to be a top 15 and hitter. And it's one of the hardest categories to uh, 
to find real value in, and it's one of the harder ones to make up value. I just, I think there's a pretty good chance we saw the best season of Judge's career in 2017, and I think there's, like, there's a 210 batting average floor here. Is that what you were going to say that was going to scare me? Well, he 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 struck out uh, in the second half and the playoffs. He struck struck out 34 percent of the time. Yeah, like there is real bust potential, and there's a chance that he returns like sixth round value while being a bust. Like there's a chance he has Joey Gallo's 2017 season, but with more at bats, but. At the price you're paying, there's a lot of risk in Aaron Judge. What's the difference between Aaron Judge and, and Cyrus Davis, Chris Davis of the Orioles? Well, I mean, Judge walked 127 times last year. And Judge- maybe if he wasn't having quite the season he did, he wouldn't have walked quite that much. But, I mean, Chris Davis has never approached that. Um, and I would also say, I mean, Judge just the quality of the contact he makes – the kind of exit. but that was that was Chris Davis's thing forever. Yeah. Well, I, I think the does, bigger does Davis compare to Stanton because for for the long for for years it was just Stanton. All you looked at the the hardest hit balls and it was Stanton, 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 Stanton. Oh. And Judge started to creep in there last year. The Stanton hit the most home runs last season since since Chris Davis. Chris Davis. But were, were but I'm I'm just talking about specifically exit velocity. I would say the other big difference is the runs. He's going to score like I I don't see a situation where he doesn't score 100 runs unless he gets hurt. Mm-hmm. Okay, well that's a good point. Um, all right. Yeah, I, I just I think he could very easily have a 2016 Chris Davis season. Chris Davis hit 221 with 38 homers, 99 runs, and 84 RBI. So I said 270 as the over under. I think did everybody take the under? Yep. Okay. And Judge last year hit 284. Pre All Star break he batted 329. Post All Star break he batted 228. And the only thing I throw in there is that he did have off season shoulder surgery, arthroscopic sh- surgery, and he was playing the second half with the shoulder injury. And it's possible that contributed to the higher strikeouts and the lower batting average. So that's a little bit of an optimistic note there for Aaron Judge. Over under for Francisco Lindor, who was the Number one shortstop in points in num- number two in Roto last year. 26 and a half home runs for Francisco Lindor. He hit 15 home runs in 2016. He hit 33 home runs in 2017 in route to becoming the best shortstop in points, second best in Roto. So over under for Lando- Lindor, 26 and a half home runs. I'll go under. I'll go under and, and he's one of those guys who very much had a fly ball revolution season, but every time anyone asked him about it, he said he was not trying to hit more fly balls. You know, that could be like, he could have been lying, but it's also possible that he just had a weird season. Mm-hmm. In which case the power breakout is not necessarily real. I'm trying to figure out whether I want the over under here. Cause oh. that's pretty good number you picked. Thank you. Um, I'm I'm consulting my uh you know we we kind of quasi projected players this year we kind of we kind of had a hurried projection process um so but I got is... I I had Lindor down for 27 home runs 
which would explain uh-huh. why I was having difficulty coming up with which way I'd go. I'm taking the over. Mm-hmm. And I gave 26 and a half as the over under. All right, it's 27 home runs. And it's interesting because he's not a huge steals guy. He's been a 15 to 20 steals guy. He had been a great source of batting average until last year. The average went down, but the fly balls went up and the home runs went way up. He hit like in the 270s, I believe, uh, 273. So, uh, I thought it was interesting that he was so much more valuable as the home run hitter. Also at 44 doubles than the 301 hitter. Um, just kind of tells you how valuable home runs are. But yeah, anyway. I, I like, I feel like if Lindor's going in the second round and he goes back to being a 15 homer, 18 steal guy, he's got some bust potential. Oh, if he goes, if he goes in the second round and hits 15 home runs, he has a bust. Well, not if he, not if his, not if it's because his batted ball tendencies normalized. I mean, he was a stud shortstop before the big power surge. It's just he, he got, he, he, got, a, he got his production in other ways. He was a third or fourth round stud shortstop. He wasn't. I mean, a second rounder performing like a third rounder is not a bust. Okay. Like, he will, uh, he will not meet value if he hits 15 home I, runs. I don't even think it's that round. big of a disappointment. It's, I mean, a Anthony Rizzo always goes in the first rounder, even though he, uh, in the first round, even though he always performs he, like a second he rounder. He underperforms. Like that's, but that's not actual. That I mean, doesn't I am, really hurt your team. Specifically with Anthony Rizzo, I am starting to think he might just be overrated. Like when you compare his numbers to Jose Abreu's. Well, what you're buying with Rizzo, and I feel like you're buying it for a certain extent with Lindor, is security. Right. And I, I feel like the quickest way to mess up your fantasy season is to mess up your first round picks. Like if, if, like, like Bryce Harper is a player who, I mean, at his best, he's he's Mike Trout. Like. But, so like messing I'm probably up your, not going to draft him because up there's your, so much disaster potential there. Messing up your first two picks by say drafting a shortstop who hits 15 home runs in the second round. But if he's hitting 300, if he's doing if he if he's if he's the Lindor of 2016 and previously, I just that's I can't, still going to be one of your best players. And I getting one of your best players in the second round is not a mistake. I can't help but shake. I I can't shake the feeling that like he's one of those guys whose lofty rank is largely the result of the fact that he, like, has never missed a game. Mm. And there are other better players who maybe missed 15 games who would have ranked higher than him. And so that's I, – I don't know. I just – I look at him and I, I don't necessarily see, like, this incredibly special player. I see a good player. I mean, uh, last year he averaged 3.53 points per game. It was Chris Bryant level, basically. Um, it'll take me a minute to dig up his mm-hmm. 2017 point per game. Lindor, we're talking about here. Conference. Francisco Lindor. Last name reminder. Um, yeah, so you can look that up. I, I mean, if he doesn't hit, now Scott's got him projected for 27 home runs. It's a big deal. If he goes back to the 15 home run range, he's not that much different than what Elvis Andrews has given you the last couple of years. I mean, well, especially last year when he had 20 home runs. But, uh, sure. Yeah. But no. that was that was at least second round production from Elvis Andrews last year. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, Andrews was just basically as good. Okay. So last year Lindor was number one in points. Andrews was number two in points. Andrews was number one in roto, and Lindor was number two at roto at shortstop. So they they had very very similar production. Got it in slightly different ways, but no, I I know what you're saying, Scott. I mean, look, this is a 24 year old player who has been nothing but really good. Since he's been in the bigs, and last year he was a top shortstop, and there is some safety and security there. You did take him, Scott, and you took Lindor in the second round. I think the only risk, like it, let's say he performs like a third or a fourth rounder, 
The only risk there really is that you're like you took Jose Ramirez over Aaron Judge, George Springer, Madison Bumgarner, Cody Bellinger, Co- Corey Seager, D Gordon, Gary Sanchez. Those are the guys who like you took him over Aaron Judge. So I guess mm-hmm. the risk is that you took Ramirez over someone who could be a lot better. Even if you get that third, fourth round production from Ramirez, it's also about the guys you're passing up when you took wait, wait, wait. Ramirez or Lindor. Oh, sorry. You took us here. Lindor went a pick before Ramirez. <laughs> yeah, they go right next to each. They tend to go yeah. right next to each other. My bad. So, so you took you took Ramirez. So let's pretend you were Justin, and I was talking to you. Justin took Francisco Lindor with the ninth pick of round two. So it's also about who are you passing up? Like you're passing up Aaron Judge. You're passing up. I don't have a problem with passing up Springer, Bumgarner, Bellinger, or whatever. But you get the point of what I'm saying. There, there are other great players on the board when you took it, Lindor. It feels like taking him in the second round is putting a big premium on the position as well. Which it's still – like if you're going to put a premium on any position, I would say even over catcher because I catchers come with so many disagree, risks. Yeah. Um, shortstop's the one to do it on. Like there's there's five real difference makers at the position, and then it's just kind of – you know, it's not as bad as it used to be, but it, you're not going to get some bargain shortstop who uh, – you know, unless you just luck into another Zach Kozar, you're not going to get some some uh, some bargain stud at the position. Paul DeJean, Ahmed the, Rosario. There's no way DeYoung is a stud. All right, nope. uh, moving Plus, on. Somebody walks that little. Moving Jonathan on. Scope came pretty close last year, but it's 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 hard to do. Now we're moving on. Last one, Heath. I'll throw this one to you. Chris Archer, 3.40 ERA for Chris Archer. Last year he had a 407 ERA, 2016 he had a 402 ERA, but three straight years, 2013 to 2015, it was under 330. So I'm giving you 340 for Chris Archer next year over under. I think 340 is a really good number. Um, I would like to know before speculating on his ERA what park he's going to be pitching his home games in and what division he's going to be pitching against, but I suppose I'm not given that information before guessing. I'll say over, but just barely. I, I would guess he's right around 3-4 to 3-5. Well, whatever the park is, it's not going to be better. No, it's going to be most, well, most likely going to be he worse. He might get traded to San Francisco. Yep. But other than that, it's going to be a worse park. Yeah, but yep. getting out of the AL East could do him pretty well. That's true. I'm I'm taking the over regardless of where he winds up. Um, even acknowledging that like his his FIPS his FIPS suggest his ERA is inflated. Um, but I don't know when it gets to happening as consistently as it has for Archer. It's uh it's hard for me to keep hyping the FIP. Okay. Well, he's a really interesting pitcher. I mean, 249 strikeouts last year, but also the whip has been kind of high. 1.26 last year, 1.24 the year before. And I don't know, he's never, like, he, I don't think he's, maybe had one season where he's been a great whip pitcher. Uh, but, yeah. He's got a little bit of a problem with, um, not being great when things start to go sideways. Mm-hmm. Uh, one or two bad yeah. things turns into a monster a little too often for him to yeah, be. Yeah, that's true. Race. And that's, that's one of those things where we don't have great metrics to measure that sort of thing and i i, I do believe he's actually not that bad, bad with men on base it. though yeah like 306 woba allowed but 285 with the bases empty but men in scoring position he actually for his career has a lower yeah. woba than with the bases empty it's uh it's weird it's so hard to make statements on this podcast because you know somebody else is just gonna fan graphs you 
to fact check you? <laughs> well, I don't think what Chris said, I, that's, that's good, but I don't think that really changes the fact that he's had a lot of blow up innings. I, like, I, I, it's just more interesting information. You know what? We, we need like, we need like a stat boy like PTI has, somebody who can just <laughs> we have four fact of check every, <laughs> everything we're saying off the fly, cause yeah, I, I sometimes hesitate to say something that would be, uh, you know, I think just say it. Yeah. Just say it. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't care if you sound like an idiot and lose all credibility. Who cares? You yeah. can't lose all your credibility. You can always lose a little Keep, retain bit. Retain a smidgen. This all implies that we have credibility. That's true. Good point. All right. Let's go back to, uh, Tuesday's leftovers. We did make or break. We did rankings debates. We only have time for one. So let's do make or break. Will Noah Syndergaard make or break your team as the 39th overall pick? All right, Chris, you actually made the pick, so I'll let you make the case for Syndergaard as a make your team at 39th overall, third pick of round four. And then, Scott, you can break it, and Heath, you can judge. Uh, Noah, Noah Syndergaard, Chris, going to make your team. You know, we talk about the uh, the big four at starting pitcher. Corey Kluber, Clayton Kershaw, Max Scherzer, and the other guy. Can't remember his name. <laughs> uh, Chris Sale, sorry. Noah Syndergaard, for his career, has been almost exactly as good as that entire group, with the exception of Clayton Kershaw, who's in another level, but has his own concerns. So the issue with Noah Syndergaard You forgot is, the on a parading basis. We've On a parading basis, yes. We've never seen him go 200 innings. He had 183 in 2016. If he gets 183 innings in, 27, in 2018... He's going to be right on the cusp of being one of the best pitchers in baseball. We've seen it. He's one of the best strikeout pitchers. He gets a ton of ground balls. He has great control. The only issue with Noah Syndergaard is injury. That's a big issue. On the other hand, if he has a slightly heightened injury risk relative to other pitchers, there aren't that many pitchers with his kind of upside. Madison Bumgarner, it wasn't an, a baseball injury, but he suffered a serious injury to his throwing shoulder. Why is he less of a risk than Noah Syndergaard? Well, he came back looking basically the same. Mm-hmm. He had months to do it. Well, So um, it's a question of time. Syndergaard just made, you know, he pitched three innings after his injury, mm-hmm. and he looked good in those three innings. I think it's because we've seen him go over 200 innings Six years in a row yeah. before, 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 before having a serious shoulder injury. They're on a motorbike. Like innings, innings I feel like are the. Hold on, do the ligaments not get injured when you injure no. yourself on a motorbike? Stat they boy. do. Okay. It's, boy. You are being ridiculous if you're going to say that injuring yourself on a motorbike I, is no, not the same. No, I'm it is saying, I'm saying injuring your lat is less of a concern than injuring the shoulder Agreed. with which you deliver the baseball. Injuring your shoulder Especially on a bike is less how, concerning than given injuring how your shoulder. tricky shoulder are pitching well and i was very concerned about Bumgarner after that injury what he was what was he going to look like was he going to be the same he had made 13 starts afterward and had you know 343 era which you know isn't the best madison Bumgarner, but he's going seven innings at a time and doing that i mean he he looked fine he looks like he's fine all right well i'm not really concerned this isn't a pro bump that's in a different courtroom this is uh the people versus noah Syndergaard. Right, you are prosecuting right. him. Look, if the Mets manager now is a pitching coach, right? Yes. Mickey Calloway, pitching coach. 
the Mets used to do ridiculous things with their starting pitchers, um, overworking them. Um, that's not going to happen anymore. Noah Syndergaard having pitched only, uh, um, how many innings was it? Having pitched only 30 and a third innings last year, there's no way he's getting more than 180 this year. And inning for inning, he might be as good as all those aces. But if your cap is 180 innings, I mean, maybe you'll get into the top 10. And I have him ranked in the top 10. But I have a feeling somebody, just because of the sizzle of Noah Syndergaard's going to draft him even earlier than that. It's a really good thing I didn't draft him where all those other starting pitchers were being drafted. Where He was drafted in the fourth round at 39th overall. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Scott. Were you done with your argument? Yeah. Um, am I ruling on the arguments or on the make-or-break status of taking Noah Syndergaard with the third pick of the fourth round? No, I want to know. Okay, first you have to rule on who had a better case, and then we can all say what we how we really feel about Syndergaard at 39th overall. Actually, I have Syndergaard 12th, not even in my top 10. Sorry, just wanted to throw that in there. I also do not have Syndergaard in my top 10. Chris Towers is a great arguer, a better arguer in this instance than Scott White. Um, <laughs> but Chris Towers isn't arguing with Scott White. He's arguing with Chris Towers, who told us for a year and a half that pitchers get hurt, and that's why it's better to take hitters at the start of drafts and now he's taking a pitcher that just got hurt that only threw 30 innings last year with the third pick of the fourth round. So you don't like it? I will, so Chris Towers wins the argument? I will quote. But it's Chris Towers. I will quote America's poet, Walt Whitman. Yes. Do I contradict myself? Very well, I contradict myself. I am large. I contain multitudes. And I have changed my tune. Uh, slightly. Now, obviously, wait, 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 wait. Are you still quoting Walt Walt Whitman? Or you... yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, during mock drafts, we try to everybody but Scott tries to experiment with uh their approach to team building, and I look at <laughs> like I took him over Carlos Carrasco, Zach Greinke. Don't give me pitchers, Robbie. Don't Ray. give me pitchers. Give Fine. me hitters. I took him ahead of. Marcelo Zuna, Andrew Benintendi, Chris Davis, Edwin Encarnacion, Tommy Pham, and Jonathan Scope. You're really telling me that by taking Noah Syndergaard, who might be the best pitcher in baseball next season, I'm, On a really, basis. I'm really assuming a lot more risk than taking Andrew Benintendi or Edwin Encarnacion or Tommy Pham or Marcelo Zuna? I would rather take those hitters. No, you wouldn't. I would. I wouldn't, but I'd rather take some of the pitchers. Um who you, who went after Syndergaard than Syndergaard. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. I mean, that, that's like who? Carrasco. The reliable well, the one was Carlos Carrasco. The reliable Zach Greinke? Yes. Well, Zach Greinke's my number five pitcher. So the absolutely. reliable Robbie Ray? Uh, no, I have Syndergaard ahead of Ray. Uh, but I would take Carrasco over Syndergaard. Um, uh, that, that's pretty I, interesting, though, that you guys have the same read on pitchers versus hitters. Well, that Scott and and Chris do that Heath doesn't. I mean, that's that's a really interesting part of the draft where you know you've got ace upside with Verlander, Syndergaard, Carrasco, and Granke. I mean, that's legit ace upside. We've seen it very, very recently from all of them. And then you've got Daniel Murphy was the la- was taken by me first pick of the fourth round and then it was Verlander, Syndergaard, Ozuna, Benintendi, Carrasco, Kris Davis, Granky, 
So I, I, Scott and Chris seem to think the pitchers are better than the hitters here. They just disagree on the order of the pitchers. Whereas Heath says, no, I'd rather take, I'd rather take those Marcelo Zuna, Ben Intent. I don't know how many of them, but you'd rather take hitters there. I'd rather take the hitters there. This is not, this was a roto draft, right? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay. I like mean, we're, you're, you're assuming more risk by taking the pitcher early, and that's why I, I used to not do that, but I used to all, I used to be able to count on aces emerging from that, that middle group that, like, aces are a dying breed. It, it won't be long before there's zero 200 inning pitchers in the game. And so it's not like these new ones are going to be manufactured. Yeah, they're Severino emerged last year, but it, it's not with near the frequency it used to be. It's not something you can count on. Um, it, it used to be managers would ask every pitcher to give them at least 180 innings. And now some, like, I, they've just learned through, you know, increased use of data through, through recurring injuries, whatever, that some pitchers just aren't equipped to do that and never will be. I don't think Lance McCullers, for instance, will ever be a 180 inning pitcher. Mm-hmm. And I think the Astros are fine with that. Um, but that means he's never going to be an ace too, no matter how good he is on an inning for inning basis. Those aces can really set your team apart in a way that they didn't used to. And, and that's why when I, when I say I'm kind of rethinking my approach, that's still, I'm still steering into the curve of pitcher risk or pitcher variance is really the, the way to put it. And that's why, you know, the two pitchers I took early in this draft are Clayton Kershaw and Noah Syndergaard. Okay. I would never take Zach Greinke in the fourth round. I know he can return value in the fourth round. I don't feel like Zach Greinke is very likely to return a lot of surplus value. I think Zach Greinke is a pretty safe guy who can pitch well enough to to be worth that fourth round. I, I don't need surplus from my early rounders. I just need them to be healthy, to be around, to be I, what see, I drafted them I, I to disagree. be. I disagree. Okay. I, I want I, surplus from the late round picks that well, then, I didn't invest much in. But you took Tommy Pham in that round. Yeah. Well, that's kind of Scott's guy. Scott loves Tommy Right, but Pham. you're not drafting Tommy Pham because you think he's a fourth rounder. You're drafting Tommy Pham because you think he's going to provide surplus value. That's what I'm doing with Noah Syndergaard. Tommy Pham is not safe. So Tommy if we're talking Pham about safe, safe early that's round fair. picks. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah. But if I'm going to invest in safety, I'm going to do it with a with a hitter. If I'm going to invest in a pitcher, I'm going to look for the home run. I don't think Zach Greinke's that. I don't think Carlos Carrasco is that. I think those are both good pitchers. But I don't think either of those guys is likely to put up a 2-5 ERA with 11 strikeouts per nine next season. Noah Syndergaard can do that. But I don't know why you don't want safety with your pitchers. I don't – why? Because you... pitchers aren't safe. I mean, there are some are like, safer, there, there are safer like four, than others. Right. It's sure, not but, like a, but it's not, not like an even playing field. But they're but they are inherently unsafe. But you've also and taken you and Zach Greinke last year, two years ago, sucked. He yeah, but I mean, you talk about if he goes in the fourth round, four of the last five years he's been better than that. Yeah, and he's thirty four years old, and we're talking about safety. Two years ago, he wasn't safe. But so Noah Syndergaard hasn't been safe that once. Zach is not safe. Noah Syndergaard hasn't been and safe once. And the upside's once. not that high. So Noah Syndergaard is equally safe to Zach Greinke. No. I mean, okay. Zach Greinke isn't as safe as Chris Sale. I, I can agree with that. But he's as safe as any pitcher you're drafting beyond Chris Sale. And, I, and, and I'm not – and like I said, I'm looking for upside, not safety. I'm not looking for a low threes yeah. ERA and a strikeout per inning. 
I'm looking for You're... a guy who can challenge for an ERA title and lead the league in strikeouts. Okay. I mean, you got it. You, you got no <laughs> safe exposing yourself just, to more risk, I, which is fine. I mean, you 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 like to roll the dice when you play. That's that's fine. So here's here's a good stat for you, Noah Syndergaard. Would you take this season at, at 39th overall from Noah Syndergaard? Would you take? Oh, come on, Adam, find it in your notes. Where the hell are you? Um, would you take three uh, two six two sixty ERA fourteen and nine two sixty ERA? 218 strikeouts in 183 and two thirds with a 1.15 whip. Of course, he yeah. was, he was the number 17 pitcher in points, number 13 in roto in 2016 with those exact numbers. Mm-hmm. He would have been 13th in points with that same point total last year. So I mean that's just something to consider. That he threw 183 and two thirds innings was basically you know one of the th- probably three best pitchers i don't know off the top of my head but he was clearly one of the very very best pitchers on a per inning basis but he only threw 183 and two thirds. he had the fewest innings pitched of any top 20 starting pitcher in 2016 and Syndergaard finished as 17th in points and 13th in roto and that's pretty close to his ceiling yeah i disagree you think he could throw more than 183 innings this year well he threw 210 innings last season yeah he threw through 30 last year, though. Yeah. Okay. Maybe they just completely disregard the 30 last year and just go right back to it. I mean, we've, we've seen with established pitchers that teams are willing to do that. Teams don't just follow, like, he's not going to throw 130 innings. If he's no, I don't think so. Season. But he's, if he's healthy, they're not going to pull him out of the rotation. Uh, but I mean, look at the Mets specific situation. They, they got rid of a pretty high profile pitching coach mm-hmm. as well as their manager and hired a pitching coach as their manager. Precisely because they were upset with the way pitchers were handled. Mm-hmm. They're like Cinder Guard's their most valuable asset. They're going to be super careful with them. Cool. All right, let's do some emails. Fantasy baseball at cbsi.com. John from Peoria, Illinois. Hey, Jim, Vladimir, and Chipper. Uh, first ballot Hall of Famers. No, well, just Hall of Famers. For sure Hall of Famers this year. It's looking yeah, like. Yeah, this year, guys, right. Uh, can can you do a segment debating which type of league is the best? I've only played in categories leagues and never considered a points league. Or pretend you were only allowed to play in one fantasy baseball league, but you were the commissioner. What type of league are you running? Type, number of teams, positions, rules, etc. We got to do this quickly, Ars. I do want to read all these emails. So head-to-head categories. How many teams, Chris? Twelve. How many categories? Ten. Okay. Head-to-head points. I think it's. Um, I like the head-to-head aspect. It keeps everybody interested versus a Roto League and points instead of categories because I think it it does the better job of rewarding the best players. And by that, I mean the players who take the field and the players who operate a lineup. Um, I prefer categories, but only because points are so bad on pitchers. What do you mean uh, they're so bad on pitchers? The, the, the way that we distribute points for pitchers. Like if I, I, I could do a points, I, I, I like points leagues a lot. I think they are definitely the most fun. You just don't like that wins get rewarded. Even though they're no, 20% of I'm a pitcher's value in categories. getting rewarded. Yeah. Wins and losses are way too big of a part of the equation for pitchers. And it's, like I don't really even think that's disputable. I, I they are in, agree. They are in standard categories too. Well losses are irrelevant. Losses are relevant, and but it, wins are like in in the points league. You're getting credit for innings and quality starts to kind of 
mute the effect of wins in a way that doesn't happen. And, and I will say, if I was doing a categories league, I would have quality starts and not wins. Okay. I always said that I think we have to like recalibrate it, but I think that you should figure out a, how many twenty win seasons are there. They're very rare. So like, okay, maybe maybe eighteen wins should count as much as two hundred strikeouts or something like maybe that. Maybe pitchers it, aren't winners. Maybe everybody that no. plays, maybe all hitters should get credit for a win too. See, I, I, I don't, I don't agree that it's not like the win is completely out of the pitcher's control. And, no, and you can draft it's not accordingly. Completely out of the first baseman's control. You can draft accordingly too. You can draft based on who you think is going to get more wins. Yeah, but that's, that's a fool's errand. No, it's not a fool's errand. You it's know, absolutely especially, a fool's errand. Especially in a time when it's so rare for a pitcher to pitch deep into games. It's not, it's, I don't feel like it's that much of a fool's like, errand anymore. If anything, Max, pitch, it is. Max Scherzer was, the best pitcher in the National League on by far the best team in the National League, and he won 16 games. Wins 16 are getting wins less is a lot relevant. Of wins. wins are getting less relevant because pitchers are going not as far into games, so they're less likely to be around when the game is decided. All right, how many teams would be in your ideal league, Heath? I like 14. Okay, and, and I will also say that like this is not the same as my personal preference for what league I enjoy playing in the most. It's for a guy that's starting a new league, because I think they should start with a head-to-head format. I I really enjoy Roto. Oh, I don't. I think gross. it's so boring. Well, it's, oh, it's boring. It's very, very awful if you're not in the top four. If that's if your only break. league is a Roto league, I think you're going to lose interest in fantasy baseball pretty quickly. If it's just something you're, if you're monitoring in addition to the rest of your I just leagues, I've played in way too many cool. Roto leagues where half the league is out by August. Yep. Even before that, half the league is and out by June. Like, I, don't I just, think I think we, we fundamentally need to understand that what makes fantasy football so much fun and so popular is the thing that pisses a lot of diehard fantasy players off. The randomness. I think you need that. Yeah, I, I agree. think you need that. Then you should, every have, team has a chance. Th- then, then we should leave the points for wins and losses the same because that helps with that. Yeah, sure. It does. I, I, I think there's I a perfect it. amount of randomness. Okay, here's here's Adam Azer's unrealistic league. Twelve teams, points scoring for hitters because our points, our head-to-head point scoring is absolutely perfect for hitters. Um, maybe I devalue walks a little, maybe, but head-to-head categories for pitchers. Obviously, this could never happen. I love it. Uh, with quality starts replacing wins, five categories, and it ends at the end of August. Uh, we do not play September baseball. The season's too long, and and that's one of the great like, things about Roto. Half Roto, the, the, season, play that long. the season is way too long. <laughs> All right, here we go. Like 26 weeks is ridiculous. Ooh, Roto Survivor. At the end of April, if you're in last place, you're just kicked out. At the end of May, last place is kicked out. <laughs> wow, I like it. All yes. right, so here's an email from Scott. Dear Michael, Ben, George, and Christian. Just, I, I, how am I not? Those are a Batman. Oh, okay. Yeah, nice. What happens to the value of stolen bases in a 7x7 seven seven league? In a 5x5 five five league, they're 10% of the categories, but uh, in 7x7, seven seven, they're only 7% of the categories. How much does this reduce the value of a steel specialist like Billy Hamilton? About 30%. <laughs> I mean, it's a pretty interesting question. I do play in a 7x7 seven seven categories league. Um, so, yeah, it, it makes me a little less likely to to take 
But it steals makes it much easier to punt a category, and the categories to punt are steals and saves if, yeah. if you're going to punt anything. The, the way I would look at it is it lowers the value of each individual category, but steals are the category that are most independent of everything else. Like guys who get a lot of RBI tend to have pretty good batting averages, tend to score a lot of runs, tend to hit a lot of home runs. That's not really true, stolen bases. Now, guys who steal a lot of bases tend to have good batting averages and tend to score runs, but Billy Hamilton. Cameron Maben. And so the the pure steel specialist, like he said. What's the answer? Let's just give an answer. It definitely hurts. I gave an answer. Okay. Sometimes we give an explanation we don't give an answer. Let's give a, you know. What was your answer, Heath? 30%. Well, I... Give like a practical answer, you know, like how does it affect you on draft day? I would prioritize it less. I mean, I, I can't tell you exactly how much less. Tell like, me. Like if, if, if in the middle of the draft, you know, if we got into round six and I didn't have any steals left, I might just say, screw it. Okay. I'm it's, not going to go after steal. And I would never do that in a five by five league because every category is too important. But then if, if, if eight people in your league view it that way, you can run away with the steals category pretty easily too. Sure. If, if eight do, yes. That All right. A lot. <laughs> from, uh, from Shy Cub, did we say Chai or Shy? Shy. Shy. Shy Cub Chris. Four keeper league, no limit on how long you can keep a player. I'm keeping Machado, Stanton, and Severino. Trying to decide between Acuna in the 15th versus Bregman in the 12th. Can I go to my old standby? Ooh, I don't know what it is. Bregman's so. Bregman's Bregman, but Acuna could be anything. He could even be Alex Bregman. You know how much you've always wanted one of those. I'm gonna go it has Bregman. to be Bregman. Yeah, I don't think the uncertainty of Acuna, um, there, I think there's more than three rounds. It's worth more than a three-round discount. Okay, this is from Luke in Canton. Dear Albert, Taco, and Liberty. Oh, Bells. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Had I have been craving Taco Bell. Like I can't even put into words Adam, how much I want Taco Bell. Me too. Oh. Chris, let's do it. Let's commit. I feel so bad about myself when I do, but I'm right there with you, man. I'm gonna, last, go, get, I'm gonna go get some as soon as we're done. The, the last two days really? I've been like, I should get Taco Bell for lunch and I don't because it's been so long I since I've like, eaten Taco Bell. Like Taco Bell is the one like I'm it, not I'm not a like a snob when it comes to fast food. I I I enjoy fast food to some degree, but Taco Bell's it's one so that good. I feel like, I mean, it's uh, kind of been lapped by like the Moe's and Chipotle's of the world. I mean, that's Look, kind of true, but it's, it's when not, you it's want, really taco, it's when you want taco Bell, nothing else would do. <laughs> that's a hundred percent, a hundred percent true. All right. Last email here from Luke. How do you generate auction values when you do your rankings specifically in Roto? <laughs> Uh, We're doing it right now. Arbitrarily. Very very painfully. Look, you can come up with a formula. I'm working on a series right now that's based on how much value each player generates with each category. And you can come up with a way to monetize that and turn those into auction values. But it's, for the most part, it's... You're not going to find a set of auction values anywhere that's actually going to play out like your auction. Like there, there, it's, it's it's not going to come close. So the the way I do it is, um, you know, I I figure out how many players are going to be auctioned, 
in the standard format, 12 teams, you know, how big are the roster sizes? So, uh, and how much money is going to be spent between the number of teams in your league? So it's 31.20 in a 12 team league where every team has a $260 budget. That's what we base it on. Um, you know, standard Roto would go 276 deep. Standard head to head would go 252 deep. I pick a value, um, that historically the, the most expensive player tends to go for. Mike Trout, it's usually like in the low 40s, and I sign him that value. I drop dollar amounts as the talent level drops all the way down to 276, and I get it to add up to 3120. Um, Mike Trout never goes in the low 40s. Well, he does, he does, yeah, he, he goes, I mean, it depends on who you draft with. I mean, and in a mixed league, people are more likely to get carried away. That's the thing too, mixed league, Versus a AL and L only format, um, I'm going to centralize the values a little more in the deeper format where you can't, uh, you know, replacement level player is, isn't going to be nearly as good. See, this was a great opportunity for a callback to the previous joke where you can be like, well, no, there was that one draft that I did where he went for 42. And we could be like, oh, that I mean, I, I've seen of. Trout go for in my keeper league, which Inflates values. I yeah. see. He went for sixty dollars. Keeper last league. Year. Keeper. Yeah. Keeper league changes the equation, but greatly. I've seen him go for fifty in non-keeper. Because keeper leagues, you get guys kept for two bucks who sure. would normally go for right. thirty-five. You know. <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, we're out of here. Thank you, everybody, for listening to us ramble on. It's been a lot of fun. Starting to really get into it. You know, we're uh, we're getting closer and closer. Pretty soon we'll be doing position previews. So uh, enjoy the NFL playoffs. Listen to the Sportsline DFS podcast. And have a great weekend, everybody. For Chris, for Scott, for Heath, I'm Adam. We'll talk to you later.